This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we are celebrating the baseball and softball teams qualifying for the NASCAC tournament. Plus, a pair of pole vaulters made headlines at the NASCAC championships. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The softball team swept Colby over the weekend, defeating the Mules by scores of 8 to nothing, 11 to 3, and 1 to nothing. In the process, Bates set a new program record for wins in a season with 20. Sophomore Kirsten Pelletier earned NESCAC Pitcher of the Week honors after she no-hit the Mules on Friday and shut them out again on Saturday. Meanwhile, first-year Caroline Bass had a sensational week, going 10 for 19 at the plate, setting the Bates all-time single-season hits and runs scored records in the process. And for that, Caroline Bass is our female Bobcat of the Week. Well, Caroline, first of all, your first year here at Bates, so tell us about the process of looking for colleges and what made you come from Massachusetts up here to Maine for college. I looked at a bunch of different schools. Um, honestly, right off the bat, I knew I wanted a small liberal school, and um, what really captured my attention about Bates is um, just the fact that it's so small and, like, everybody here just seems so genuine and nice and kind, especially, like, the softball team. I love everybody on the team. I think that really captured, like, my interest in coming to Bates. So I think you took some visits here and everything. What were those like? I didn't officially do, a like, a sleepover here, oh. but um, I know I'm, I came to a few clinics, and um, the just the way the team interacted with me was really genuine. I really liked that. And um, just going on tours, I really liked the tour guides and how they spoke with us. So growing up, when did you start playing softball, and when did you start thinking, oh, I could probably play this in college? I actually started playing um, baseball when I was younger. Right. Um, I played up till seventh grade, and then I switched over to softball. So I didn't think about playing um, softball in college until I hit high school. Um, my coach was just like, hey, like, you're really good at softball. Like, have you thought about playing in college? And I was like, no. And she was like, you should totally check it out. So I joined um, the Concord Raiders, and I got into it, so... Interesting. So your background initially in baseball, but now, you know, as a softball player, you're, you know, a slap hitter at the top of the lineup. That's a totally different style of hitting. So when did you learn to do that? My high school coach noticed I was really fast and she um, had some previous players who were playing in college um, and were slap hitters. So she had them come in and just teach me how to slap. And that's basically where I learned how to slap. And I just practiced in games. And honestly, it wasn't that, it wasn't too hard to um, learn how to do. I just run and hit the ball I guess <laughs> I guess that's how I was taught to do it so there yeah. you go what refinements have you made in your game since arriving at Bates you know working with Mikel and working with the coaching staff here I think just talking with Mikel um with coach I think um one of the major things was um you know just attacking the zone early and um just getting ahead in the count and making sure um that you get like the first good ball like you just attack it and I think like that was really different from high school because High school pitchers aren't as good. Um, they might, you know, get behind in the count. And, you know, I was taught to, like, just be patient. But I think, like, with coach, I was really taught to, you know, like, really attack the zone early. I think that helps a lot. Excellent. Uh, what's it like for you to have broken the Bates single-season hits record as a first year? <laughs> um, honestly, I had no idea about it until, you know, my teammates were telling me about it. Um, you know, it's a pretty cool thing, but I, I really want to beat Amherst on Friday. I think that would be even 
Right, and that's got to turn it single elimination, so anything can happen. How excited is the team right now? I bet pretty thrilled. Oh, uh, yeah, we're pretty pumped. Um, you know, we're just focusing on the game. I'm just taking one thing at a time, breaking things into small bits, and hopefully we uh, come out on the winning side. What's it like having a pitcher like KP there in the circle? I mean, she's another no-hitter this weekend, right? Yeah, oh my God, she's amazing. Um, honestly, she's one of the best pitchers I've ever seen. Um, you know, just having her out there makes me feel very relaxed. And I mean, our, all three of our pitchers are very capable. Um, I have all faith in all three of them, but yeah. And you have kind of a dynamic duo there at the top of the order, right? It's you and Dre. What's that like been like? Because you set the table really well, right? Yeah, um, it's pretty exciting, you know, um, just getting on base, having Dre get on base. You know, it really sets the tone for the inning, for the game. Um, it's been really exciting. And then um, what's been maybe like the biggest adjustment to college ball? You mentioned that obviously everyone's really good here, but like maybe what are some other things that you've noticed about college that are different from high school? I would say the play is definitely more intense. Um, I'd probably say um, – you know, like, everybody's just so good. Um, everybody was recruited to play, like, in college, basically. Um, I think just knowing that, like, you know, all of the hitters can hit, all of the pitchers can pitch, I think that's been, like, a huge, like, difference from high school where it might be just, like, you know, the top two can hit and then the rest of the lineup is just easy, <laughs> easy outs, basically. Right, right. Now, you mentioned, obviously, Amherst, your opponent, at their place on Friday. Do you know anything much about them? I mean, they obviously have a really good record. Are you going to... Is there much film study involved here, or is it just going out there and play? Uh, no, we just go out and play. <laughs> yeah. I honestly really don't know that much about them. So. Gotcha, gotcha. Is that an exciting feeling, or what's what's going through everyone's minds right now? You think? Um, I'm definitely a little nervous. I know they're ranked number 11 in the country, but honestly, that doesn't mean anything. I know, like, if we put our best effort forward and, you know, just do the little things, I know we can beat them. But, um, you know, I'm definitely really excited. Tell me a little bit about academics in terms of the adjustment there. I mean, obviously, Bates a you know, a very good academic school. So what's been that adjustment like from high school? Um, yeah, it's definitely been academically challenging. But um, I think my high school prepared me very well um, in terms of just how to study and what to expect from professors. Um, but I've been I felt very supported um, by my professors and by my other peers. So it hasn't been too challenging. Any other thoughts on your first year here at Bates in terms of uh, uh, you know what it's been like for you? Um, it's been a huge adjustment, um, but I'm really happy I came here. I've made some great friends. I love the softball team. I love my classes. I love my professors. I just love everything about Bates. The Bobcats finished the NASCAC season with a record of 5-7, and seven, good for a spot in the NASCAC tournament. They play at Amherst this Friday at 2.30 p.m. Meanwhile, the Bates baseball team also qualified for the NASCAC tournament. The Bobcats got the win they needed on Saturday in game one of a doubleheader against Tufts. Sophomore Nolan Collins went the distance in the 5 nothing win, striking out a career-high eight and holding the powerful Jumbo's offense to just three hits. And Nolan Collins is our male Bobcat of the week. We know Tufts has a great offense. We've seen them score a lot of runs this year. You were able to completely shut them down over a complete game, seven innings. What was the biggest key, you think, in your mind out there on the mound that allowed you to have such success on Saturday? I think it was really just commanding our pitches. Uh, I had good location on my fastball. I could throw my breaking ball for a strike. And just being able to get ahead of their hitters and then throw them off balance really worked out for us. The previous game where Connor Russell threw on Friday, did you, how much, I mean, you were probably watching that pretty intensely, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just looking like what they do with certain pitches, where to th where to throw against them, 
And really, like it, against that team, if you leave the ball up, they're gonna make mistakes. Like they're gonna take advantage of your mistakes. So you really just have to minimize that. And I made a couple. There were a couple balls I left up, but I mean, for the most part, just learning from what Russ was doing. And Russ pitched well. Like yeah. he only had a couple, a couple mistakes. But you know, it's just kind of we all go after it with the same model, really. You know, just being able to throw the fastball for a strike down in the zone and then go work from there. Yeah, I know I've talked to some guys. The coaching staff has really emphasized yeah. pitching it down. Uh, what are some drills you've been doing? I know. Uh, we set up like a little yellow string like right at the knees, and we'll just throw bullpens. And every time you hit the string, it's like you're, you're just aiming for that. You know, like we always say in the dugout, like pop the string. You know, it's like working down at the knees. Because when you, when you work down there, really all they can do is hit it into the ground. So that's – and that's what we did, and it worked, so – you were got in some trouble in the first inning, but you were able to get out of it. What was going through your mind after Tuff got a couple guys on base there? Uh, just to minimize, just to keep keep doing what I'm doing. Like they they got a good, they had a single on one one ball I left up, but we just like keep the mentality of attacking the hitters, and basically just sometimes they get themselves out too. So it works. I'm curious, you know, for starting pitchers, sometimes the first inning is the inning that teams sometimes can, you know, jump on them a little bit, and then it seems like starters tend to settle down. Why do you think that is, at least from your mindset going forward, why, you know, second, third, fourth inning starts to get more into a rhythm perhaps? Uh, yeah, for me, I think it's just finding out what's working yeah. on that day, like getting into a rhythm. And after the first time through the lineup, I feel a lot more comfortable because I've faced the hitters before, and it's really just you kind of figure out what to throw on. And obviously Saturday was beautiful weather, Friday yeah. not as much, but uh, for you as a California guy, it must be nice to pitch in that kind of condition. Oh yeah, I loved it. I felt like I was back home. It was nice. I love I love the warm weather, so it was good. And then Jack Aaron obviously mentioned you're, you're close with him. He was, he was the catcher for you there, uh, as he is most days there on Saturday. What was uh, that relationship like, uh, you know, talking over how to attack these tough hitters? Yeah, we were on the same page. Basically, every pitch he called, I already had gripped in my glove, so it was... Like, we, we knew what we were doing. We were attacking hitters the right way, and we were just on the same page. Did you go out there thinking, I want to throw a complete game? Because seven innings, right? Uh, well, <laughs> so originally I thought there's no chance I go seven innings in this game because, like, all week I had, like, a little bit soreness in my arm, so I was a little, like, timid coming out there. I didn't know how it was going to go, but it went pretty much as well as it possibly could have because – like, I, I thought, like, okay, hopefully I get to the sixth inning and we bring in Shapiro for the seventh, but we didn't need it. It was nice. And then how satisfying was it between games to be able to sit down, you have ice on your arm, get yeah. to eat some food, right? It yeah, like... it was it was a big weight off my shoulders just knowing that we're, we're in the playoffs, we got the win, and we haven't beaten Tufts in, like, two or three years, I think. So it was it was a big win for us. And then, obviously, you've got a couple of non-conference games here before the postseason, mm -hmm. so I don't know if you're going to be pitching at all to gear up, but what do you think the team's approach is going to be you know, to prepare here for the NESCAC tournament? Yeah, we just need to like keep our energy up, keep keep playing with confidence, and these we're playing really good teams this upcoming week, so we just need to stay, stay in a good rhythm and be able to hit the pitchers and just do what we've been doing. Obviously, the team got in the NESCAC tournament last year when you were a first year. Mm -hmm. What do you think everyone learned from that experience? A couple of close games. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just that every inning counts. Every out, you have to play 27 outs. And uh, you can't really take any plays off. And these teams, they're good enough. They're going to take advantage of every mistake. So we have to be sharp. 
And then, you know, coming in here as a first year, you got some midweek starts this year. You've been on the week, one of the weekend guys. Uh, what's really clicked overall, you think, overall this season for you? Because, I mean, the numbers are obviously uh, much improved for you. Yeah, I think I'm kind of – my command is a lot better this year. I've been getting into less three-ball counts. I'm staying ahead of batters, which keeps them off balance, and that's really the key, just throwing strikes. What was your reaction when the final out there was recorded on Saturday? I was just – I gave a little fist pump, and I was like, thank God. Like, <laughs> we did it. It was just awesome. Gave Jack a hug. It was great. It was just – it was like one of the best moments. So I bet you're pretty geared up to pitch in the tournament, right? Oh, yeah. I'm super pumped. I can't wait. I know we have – we're slotted for the night game on the first the first day, so that's going to be pretty awesome playing under the lights. It'll be cool. And you guys have good memories from Trinity already, right? Yeah, we've been there. You know, <laughs> we own that field. So hopefully we come out there with the same energy and confidence and just absolutely mow them down. All right. Nolan Collins, Mail Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. The track and field teams competed at the NESCAC Championships on Saturday. For the women's team, senior Catherine Cook won the 10,000-meter run with a career-best time of 35 minutes, 38.21 seconds, breaking Abigail Anthony's 2001 team record. Meanwhile, for the men's team, senior captain Adedire Fakariti won the discus throw for the second straight year, placed second in the hammer throw and third in the shot put. First years, John Rex and Zach Smith both won all NESCAC honors for top three finishes in the hammer and javelin throws, respectively. Both Rex and Smith set new personal bests. Another highlight for the men's team, which placed fifth overall, occurred in the pole vault. Bates seniors Garrett Anderson and David Dick took first and second place in the pole vault, respectively, with both men clearing the bar at 15 feet 5 inches. The height matched Anderson's career best and established a career best for Dick. Talking some pole vaulting here on the Bobcast with David Dick. You were runner-up there to your teammate, uh, Garrett Anderson, at the NESCAC Championships. You guys had the same final height, though. Uh, I know that's a personal best for you, right? And so, when did you, first of all, I want to know when you started pole vaulting. Like, when did you get into that? I started pole vaulting sophomore year of high school. Um, my father had done it for a while, and so I thought I'd give it a try at that point. What was the trickiest part about, because for me, I think it would be the fear of, I don't know, impaling myself or something. What was the trickiest part of learning this, of the, the, the event, basically? funny thing is, people always see the, the worst highlights from pole vault, because, you know, those might be the most entertaining. But uh, for me, I never really had that fear. Actually, I, I wouldn't say I had much of that fear until recently, um, this year, which is kind of crazy to, to think back on the, you know, other six years I've done pole vault. Um, but no, starting was 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 okay. The most frustrating thing was um, having to start low. You know, you see a lot of people that are that are really good, especially when you start, and uh, it's not immediately obvious that that it took them so much time to get there. Um, so for me, when I was a sophomore in high school, um, jumping you know nine or ten feet, that was that was frustrating. But you know, quickly quickly I got better uh, after a few years. So. This weekend, I mean, what a weekend. I mean, it couldn't have gone more perfectly for the vaulters, right? Yeah. Uh, all across the board, the four of us um, who vaulted at this meet all did really, really well. Um, Dakota Griffin had a had a personal best. He tied from sophomore year, which was great. Um, and and we, we realized that all together the four of us beat the rest of Maine that meet. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, Rhett and I also had a really good day, too. What's the key to a successful pole vault? What's like the technique? What what's like the biggest and most important part? Do you think? 
confidence. Mm. Uh, and you know that that kind of ties into the discussion about fear. But yeah. if you're if you're not confident coming down the runway, then uh, I mean you need that initial takeoff. Um, the whole approach to be to be a confident approach, or else you're, the rest of your jump uh, is going to take a hit for it. If you're not confident throughout the run, throughout the takeoff, then then the you know the rest of your jump won't won't follow. Everything follows from the from the beginning. How good of a feeling was it once you cleared to have you know you're falling, you you knew you did it right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you saw the video, but I was pretty pretty jazzed about that one. <laughs> um, and the height before it too was also a, a personal best oh, for me. Nice. And so both of those heights. Um, in the air on the way down, I was I was pretty hyped up. I yelled, I think. How much practice time is devoted to it? Because I know it's, it it requires a bit of a setup. I don't know. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> um, I think the mats themselves are you know, a couple tens of thousands of dollars, yeah. but uh, it's um it's also pretty taxing. So we we actually practice vault twice a week, and the other three days in the in during the the week um, we're practicing. You know. Run mechanics, jumping strength, uh, technique, just smaller drills, not actual vaulting. Um, but during the weekend is where we get you know the best practices. Meets are always our best practices. Right, right. So what's it looking like in terms of you know pole vaulting in terms of New England? I mean, is there a chance at nationals here? Uh, how's it break down? You think? Uh, yeah, um, Garrett and I just moved into a spot where the next height could send us to nationals. Um, nationals takes top twenty. And right now we're sitting tied around 30th. Um, but that being said, the heights that we're jumping at are, are pretty standard heights across the board. So if we make one more, then that'll put us uh, significantly further up the line, um, potentially into you know 15th, 16th, which which could send us. Um, obviously, we're we're hoping for more than that. I think the next height, 485 in, in meters, uh, is just below the score record. So. Um, that's also been on our mind too. But uh, as for New England's, puts us in a really good spot um, next week. Uh, I think as it stands, we're seeded first. Uh, you know, I don't care about the seeds, um, but just to give you some reference. Um, and two weeks out, uh, this qualified for this qualified us for uh, Open New England's too, which is all divisions. And you know, not sure where we stand there, but looking forward to that too. Yeah number of chances here left to really move up a little bit. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's one more meet in addition to those yeah. two that uh, the last chance meet at MIT the, that'll give us an opportunity to qualify for nationals. I think that's the ultimate goal of this season. Because yeah, you're both seniors, right? I mean, you and, and you and Red are both seniors. Uh, it's all it seems like it's all come together this year. What's been the process like since you were first year doing soccer and track, and then now to your senior year, focusing more on you know just the pole ball essentially, right? Exactly. Um, I mean, the process is. I think has been the key throughout this whole thing and, and you know, refining uh, the process, identifying what will best support you uh, in your, your goals is, has been the major key for me um, in becoming a, a better vaulter. Uh, freshman year, I, you know, things are totally different, especially with, with soccer. Uh, I had a lot of things to focus on and since then I've I've uh, been won over by the track team, um, trying to focus on one thing, see if I can be become as good as I can possibly be at that one thing. And um, it's been really rewarding, especially this year, uh, just to see everything come together. It's been it's been great, especially with Garrett and you know with the other vaulters and with the rest of the team. This team is doing incredible things. Um, 
I mean, you interview someone new every week, which is which right. is a testament to how you know the depth of this team. So um, it's been an incredible process. Excellent. I know you're very strong academically as well. So how have you been able to you know balance the the two? Well, uh, when you start here, three uh, pursuits essentially, right? <laughs> yeah, um, that's a good question. I, I I think that sports has actually uh, supported my academic career because you know. I have practiced every day at one time. Um, it's given me some really good structure to base the rest of my day off of. Uh, so, for me, sports, I think, has has led to, a, you know, more academic success than I could have asked, asked for. David Dick, thanks so much. Great, thank you very much. From one pole vaulter to another, Rhett Anderson here on the Bobcast with us. And first of all, NESCAC champion. <laughs> what does that mean to you? What, did, what goes through your mind when you hear that? Uh, well, so. Man, it's kind of crazy just thinking about it. The the NESCAC right now, at least in terms of pole vault, is probably the most competitive it's been in a really long time. Uh, if we look at the scoring for this meet, you score out to eight places. And today, uh, or this weekend, 13-6 was eighth place, whereas normally an 11-6 jump would be able to get in for the points. And going into the meet, we knew that there were four people who had jumped 15 feet before. And it could really just go to anyone. So to be able to not only win, but also have this sweep where David and I had a you know crazy day, it was a really cool experience. I asked David what's the key to being a good pole vaulter. He said confidence. Do you agree with that? 100%. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, my friends in high school used to make fun of me for always telling them confidence is key. But um, yeah, no, I mean, for vault, it's... It is kind of a scary event. A lot of things can potentially go wrong. And, you know, if you watch, go on YouTube, you can see a lot of funny things can go wrong, too. But even at the highest levels, uh, you just, there's so much confidence is required to be able to do it well. You can't just kind of half heartedly go into a jump. There's no such thing as trying to be safe in pole vault because being safe is going as fast as you can and fully committing. Right. Well, when did you start pole vaulting? How did you get into it? Uh, yeah, so I actually I started vaulting the freshman year of high school. I was on track uh, the year before and kind of always saw them from afar. At that point, my um, my school had the then school record holder jumping, and so I got to see a little bit of it. And I always just kind of thought, that looks really cool. <laughs> uh, so uh, freshman year, yeah, after a few days of practice, I asked my coach, hey, coach, uh, I, I really want to try out pole vault. Can I go over there? And he said, sure. And so I went and tried. And then by sophomore year, I had the new school record. And it was able to improve it by you know, two and a half feet in my time there. So, I, yeah, it was really great. And I knew I was going to come involved in college. Do you remember your first time actually pole vaulting? Because it seems like it's – there's you said it, you have to go full speed. And right. there's no – and then you're going so high in the air and there's a giant pole. <laughs> yeah, well, so the, the kind of interesting thing about pole vault is – how you learn pole vaulting usually ends up, the form ends up very different from high-level vaulting later on. Um, and so I think rather than, you know, the first time I left the ground doing a straight pole rather than actually bending the pole and getting a jump out of it, I do very, very clearly remember the first time I bent the pole. And it's one of those things where I, I came in at full speed and just really pushed my arms up as high as I could and bent the pole, and my coach looked at me, and I looked at him, and we were both kind of shocked at <laughs> what had just happened. And I was a freshman at the time, and we are like, oh, we, we might be able to go somewhere with this. Uh, and so we did. 
Excellent. What made you decide to continue pole vaulting here at Bates or coming to Bates for college in the first place? Uh, yeah, well, so actually the funny thing about that is I, I used to really be into hiking. And so I was looking at Bates. A big reason I wanted to come to Bates at first was just because of the outing club, uh -huh. um, which somewhat ironically i haven't really participated in that much in my time here i think i've really committed more to track mm -hmm. but um in my last little tour of colleges right when i was kind of first doing my applications i met with all of the coaches for the teams i, I just i knew for a long time i was going to vault um in college i didn't want to go d1 um so i was looking at a lot of schools in the nescac uh hamilton um also st lawrence for some reason but um yeah, I remember very clearly, I met with the Bates coach, Coach Al Fairsheden, who's been a really big help in my time here. He's really a great coach, probably the, you know, probably one of the best coaches, if not the best, in the NESCAC, um, and definitely in D3s as well. But I remember my time here, the guys on the team all seemed really great, and it seemed like I would be able to really fit in here. How cool is it now as a senior, you and David having all the success is all coming together now. It seems like your final quarter. <laughs> yeah, no, it's was well, it's funny because I feel like every year my, my best meets are in short term, which is only five weeks of you know really good performances. But um, it, it's been really great seeing David in particular continue to to rise to the top. I mean, he he came in this year with a PR of thirteen six, I think, um, which now he's improved that by two feet in the vault that's really incredible he's been working through a lot of kind of injuries and mm -hmm. um he was abroad at dartmouth last semester he's on one of those uh two one 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 engineering programs yeah, yeah. so it, it's just been really great see well first of all seeing him have such improvement but also I mean, he, it's great having him on the team because it pushes me to be a lot better and i think um yeah it's it's been really great to kind of see all of this improvement in the last few weeks and have it come to a head at the NESCAC meet was really cool. Because you guys basically tied, but then they have that tiebreaker with Right, yeah, well, so actually my, my coach and I thought that um, we clearly didn't know the rules super well, but <laughs> I, I thought that he won, that oh. David won. Uh, the way it worked is we both got 15-5 uh, and 14-11 on our first attempt. Mm -hmm. um, but then after that, I actually had two attempts at... 14-6, whereas he got it on his first attempt. Mm. But because he came in to the meet earlier and actually had, I think he, he got one height on his third attempt, uh, he had more total misses than me. So after, like, two heights, they go by total misses rather than most recent. So I ended up winning. But it was one of those things where we, we both won. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm, I, I wish we could have just had a straight tie, but oh well. <laughs> For sure, and then now you've got New England, yes. Open New England, and yes. then possibly the last chance. And then I, David said, one more level up, you guys have a good shot at nationals. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. It's something where right now I think we're, if you go on Tifers, the big um, track and field records website, they uh, I think we're ranked at 28th mm. in Division Three. So a jump of uh 485 which is 15 uh what would that be like 1510 1511 uh that would be right at 18th place which is going in so we probably want to go a uh, even a little bit higher than that but I, I think there's a really real chance that we both could go to nationals which we've been talking about all year but it feels a little more real right now right it definitely feels more real about after you finish one two and such a competitive <laughs> conference right? yeah definitely <laughs>
And then, um, you know, in terms of any other thoughts on like pole vaulting and what people might should know about it, because I know it's just not necessarily an event people uh, see all that often, really. Um, well, it's definitely the coolest event in track and field. <laughs> there you go. I, I think um, it, it, a lot of the things about pole vaulting is just how much technique is involved. Yeah. Um, and kind of compared to the rest of track and field, it almost feels more like a gymnastic event in a sense of like, yeah. uh, you know, I personally don't really think of it as being competitive too much to the extent as we're all competing against the bar. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like the pole vaulters in general, compared to maybe distance runners, we're all really friendly with each other, <laughs> even across other fields. Except, yeah, there's like one school that I'm not going to mention who um, they, they don't like to talk to us uh, too much. But, yeah, no, I mean, we're super tight with all of the main schools. Um, pr- yeah, I, I know everyone in the conference super well. And you mentioned uh, the, this upcoming weekend. Will be competing at um, the Division Three New England yeah. Championships, and that's something where the top four guys right now are MIT, Coast Guard, and then Bates and Bates. Nice. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been jumping with those guys for four years. We all know each other super well. I think it's going to be a really great competition. Excellent, Rhett Anderson. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. The men's lacrosse team defeated Colby 20-15 to on Wednesday to qualify for the NESCAC tournament, but they fell at Wesleyan by a score of 16-11 to on Saturday in the quarterfinals to wrap up their season. Meanwhile, the women's lacrosse team narrowly missed out on a NESCAC tournament bid, falling in overtime 8-7 to to Colby on Wednesday. It's championship season for the Bates rowing teams. The New England rowing championships are this Saturday in Worcester. Head coach Peter Steenstra previews the action. You gotta host some regattas, back-to-back weeks, President's Cup, Base Invitational. I'm sure that's that's always very fun for the teams. Uh, finally, get to race out there on the Andrew Scoggin. What was the experience like there? Uh, <laughs> a lot of flow of the river for one thing. Some debris oh. on one day. We had we spent a lot of time clearing that out, and then uh, with the water with that flow, it makes the race course a little bit longer. And on top of it, real cold water actually makes the 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 boats move a little bit slower through there. So is that a good thing for training purposes, or is it not not a factor? Uh, you could say the additional resistance would maybe, if we're going to come up with something, you could <laughs> maybe say it's loosely akin to um, when a, a swimmer wears like a ratty old swimsuit, something that's not as fast as their best, right? Part psychological perhaps, but it's a little bit of resistance training that's built in, yeah. Gotcha. And then New England's this weekend. What's this regatta like? Typically, each year you got you know, obviously teams had a lot of success there. We have, yeah. Um, it's it's a large regatta. There's yeah. because you you've included a bunch of those smaller colleges that have uh, only fours and things. But um, we also have all the clubs involved, which is a great race. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, we've we've done well there in the past years, and and it's a really good challenge. It's it's heats and finals, which is always the really good racing that you want to have. So you're earning your way into the big race at the end of the day that is six boats wide, and it's the best of the best in New England, and it's it's a lot of fun. And then I noticed, obviously, you know, you focus on the eights, but the fours have been getting opportunities. You've been mixing up the lineup a little bit. What's that like, you know, making lineups out of four, um, you know, rowers as opposed to eight, and then how do you decide who goes where? And stuff? Yeah, you can you can have four people and have <clears throat> very different lineups within just those same four folks. 
So there's a lot that you do, a lot of uh, voodoo with the rigging and a lot of movement of bodies. And uh, it, it, uh, it is a bit of a challenge for the coaches to make sure that the, the rowers themselves are perfectly tuned within those boats because you're trying to make four people that have found themselves sort of at the bottom of the team, right? They have to then fit together into a more technical boat than the eight and then do well. And our, our guys right now are responding really well to that. So fours are more technical than eights? What does that mean, I guess, Candy? Well, you think of it in terms of how much material is there per rower, mm. right? And you have a lot more material per rower in the four than you do in the eight. Um, and you still have that coxswain there taking taking up a lot of space. So with that in, in mind, it just you have more work to do. Each rower has to propel the boat more with... You know, with more exertion and everything else, so um, the the better you can tune the boat so that it fits perfectly into that that group of people, the better off you'll be. For the women, uh, first year coxswain uh, Folsom, she's worked her way into the first varsity eight. What have you seen from her so far as a first year? Obviously, you mentioned before she brings a lot of experience to the table already. She does. She had a real good uh, racing experience as a high school student. Um, big competitive program out there on the west coast. Um, She's she's just a kind of a calm, cool-headed kid who um, is kind of showing herself being somewhat humble and very open-minded to everything that's new. Um, she's just doing a really good job. She has a very experienced group in that varsity eight, and uh, I think she just uh, is is providing them with a a good, cool customer in the strokes in the in the coxswain seat. I was going to say, like, the varsity eight for the women, we've seen in the past, you know, you mix it up a little bit sometimes. It seems like we've had a pretty consistent lineup recently. Is that fair? Pretty consistent. Yeah. These are the strongest ergs for the most part in the team. There's a lot of depth in the group anyway. Um, the JV8 has has done well, but the, the reason I've had to spend so much time with the, the JV and, like, the 3V people is because the 3V is so fast. Mm -hmm that there are bodies in there that may contribute to the speed of the 2V, and so we have to spend some time to figure that out. Um, so, the yeah, the VARCD8 was made pretty early, and that doesn't mean that it's perfectly set. You might see changes as early as this weekend, but mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, it, it was it's all about figuring out the V16, the VARCD16. Right. So who are the top 16 people, and therefore the group that is highest likelihood of being the NCAA group, provided we get a chance to go. Right, so that's on the women's side. Now on the men's side, obviously, we talked about this before, but their goal is IRAs. They have to beat your alma mater, Hobart, in a couple of weeks, right? That's basically what it comes down to. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, they have to. They've done really well to to beat most, if not all, of the uh, Division Three slash the you know the clubs that are in the region for New England. Um, they've done really well there. We've raced up by going against the Harvard Lightweights, who turn out to be one of the top two fastest boats in the lightweight league. So that's that's exciting. Racing MIT was big. Racing St. Joe's for the first time was big. And, and we beat Holy Cross just recently. So that was a big move for us. So our guys are, are certainly competing at an IRA level already, right? We're seeing a bunch of crews that are IRA standard. And so that's the direction we want to go. And uh, as we tell the guys, we only race up. We don't. We try not to race down. We want to race the best that we possibly can, because uh, we love racing. It's not just winning that we like. They they love racing. Yeah. What are the personalities like of that first EA boat for the men? 
Yeah, well, uh, you get them one step away from the boat and they turn into a bunch of goofballs. Um, <laughs> but but they're pretty intense when it, when you have them standing together and you start discussing the boat or how it's running or the starting sequence or something along those lines. But there's a lot of respect within the group. Um, Ariel Lee is that tiny little person down there that gets to drive this boat full of monsters around and, and she has a good rapport with them um, and she's doing a great job keeping those guys in line and uh, and they're just they just are working well together and they're all very invested in what's going on great and I know when the boathouse was first built you're saying this isn't going to change the nature of the program it's going to be you know blue collar and gritty and you've noticed that consistency right everyone's still you know they haven't let uh, the new boathouse spoil them or anything right <laughs> no but on those cold rainy days we've had they they found themselves uh, stretching in the team room, so I had to sort of remind them to go outside and sit in the rain because the uh, the pavers out there are still an upgrade from the dirt that we used to sit in before. So uh, it, it's the grid is still there, and you know nothing's changed out on the water. It's only made them that much better, I think. Any, any other thoughts on this weekend and what you're looking forward to most? What I'm looking forward to most is is just all of our crews. We have seven crews entered, and I, I look forward to seeing them all race at the highest possible ability of their own. Um, and w one of the sayings that we have is that we don't limit our speed based on our competition, right? We don't define our success as to whether or not we win or lose a race. It's all about did we go our fastest? Did we do everything that we could? Um, and the racing is just bonus. We we just love it. That's your treat at the end of a week of training is you get to race a bunch of other boats. So in this case, we get to race hopefully as many as 24 boats, and it should be good. All right, Peter Steenstra, thanks so much. <laughs> thanks a lot. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll recap how the New England Championships go for rowing and track and field. Plus, we'll tell you how softball fares in the NASCAC tournament. And look forward to the NESCAC tournament for baseball. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates.